0: Good morning. Good news. My name is Carissa Zachary and I'll be reading the passages of scripture for today. So for those of you who can, please stand for the reading of God's holy word. Matthew 28. Now, after the Sabbath toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb and behold, there was a great earthquake Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples and behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and took a hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid, and go tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Father God, I pray that everyone listening to this message would experience your resurrected son, King Jesus. God, I ask that every heart would be open, every ear attentive to what you're saying today, God. Let us not leave here the same, but changed in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you, Carissa. And God, thank you for your word. Let's thank God for his word this morning. <clears throat> I want to begin with telling you a true story about a, a little boy named Philip. Philip was born with uh, Down syndrome. And uh, he was a, uh, he was a likable, happy eight-year-old boy who uh, became increasingly aware of the difference between himself and the other children. And little Philip, little eight-year-old Philip, he loved his Sunday school class. He, he went just about every week, and uh, he would join the other nine third graders in this Sunday school class. And uh, one particular Sunday around Easter, the, uh, the teacher had this idea, and this teacher brought in 10 Easter eggs, empty Easter eggs. And uh, it was a beautiful spring day outside, just like it is today. And uh, they went outside, all 10 kids, and they brought their little plastic empty eggs. And the teacher said, now, I want you to go and I want you to find some things that, that represent Easter and place them in the egg and then bring them back to the classroom. So the kids went out and they did just that. And they brought their eggs back to the classroom. And the teacher, one by one, began to open the eggs to see what the kids put inside. And he opened up the first egg and there was a rock inside. Symbolizing what? The stone that covered the tomb, the entrance of the tomb. He opened up the next egg and there was a butterfly inside. And all the girls cried, whoo, beautiful. And they loved that one, right? He opened the third egg and there was nothing inside. And one of the students said, that's stupid. Somebody didn't do it right. Right? And the teacher began to feel this tug on his shirt. And he looked down and it's mine, Philip said, it's mine. And the students began to say, Philip, you don't ever do things right. There's nothing in there. And Philip said, I did do it right. I do do things right. The tomb is empty. The tomb is empty. if mean, you know, Philip had it right. <laughs> he had it right. And not long after that, Philip actually passed away. And at his memorial service, uh, nine third graders and their teacher came forward and they placed 10 empty Easter eggs on his casket because, because they wanted to thank Philip in some way of reminding them the most important lesson in life is simply this, the tomb is empty. Philip did do it right. Philip did do it right. You may say, well, pastor, that's a nice Christmas or maybe Easter story. Right? That's a nice little story, but you know, so what? So what, you know? So what if the tomb was empty? What difference does it make that the tomb was empty? And I'm here to tell you this morning, it makes all the difference in the world that the tomb was empty. In fact, in fact, it changes everything. It changes everything about, about your past about your present and about your future, it changes everything. And I want to dive into that this morning. But to begin with, we know this. We know that the resurrection, in fact, did happen. The angel himself said to the two Marys that appeared there at the tomb. The angel said this. He has risen. Come and see the place where he lay. He's not here, the angel said. He's risen, just like he said. Come and see for yourselves where he was. We know that the resurrection did, in fact, happen. And there are a lot of different reasons, and I won't go into them all today, and you'll all thank me for that, I think. Uh, But the the overwhelming reason, um, proof, if you will, that we know the resurrection happened was all of the eyewitnesses that saw Jesus after his resurrection, The Bible tells us that over he appeared to over 500 different people. How many of you know that's a lot of testimony? Over 500 different people saw with their own eyes, heard with their own ears, this Jesus who who was raised from the dead. And what's interesting is, and we just read it in this passage today, that the, the first people that Jesus appeared to were women. And come on, can I get a shout from the women today, right? So, you know, Luke is the good news for all people. He's letting us know that this gospel is for everyone. Back in that day, however, the testimony of women was considered invalid. A, women, a woman who would testify in court, her testimony meant nothing. Women in that day, they had no voice. They had no trusted voice. Yet Jesus first appears to who to women and women, these women, these women, they told the story. We have seen the risen Lord, right? Their story was believed. It was passed on and their story was recorded in the scriptures that we read today. Why? Because their story proved to be true, not only by them. But these 500 others. So the actual eyewitness testimony of people who saw the resurrected Christ is overwhelming evidence to prove the resurrection. But I'm not here this morning to prove that the resurrection happened. What I want to do is I want to declare how the resurrection is really, really good news. OK, the resurrection is good news. News is is something it's a, it's something that's happened in the past. And because of that, something everything today and tomorrow is different. OK, that's the resurrection. It's really, really good news. Um, anytime that we we talk about resurrection, we have different ideas of the significance of the resurrection. And oftentimes. And let me just ask you, you know, think for yourself in your own mind. If I were to ask you, why is the resurrection so significant? You might say, well, it means that there is life after death. It means that I get to go to heaven when I die. Yes, but the resurrection is so much more than that. When the Bible talks about resurrection, it talks about it in the context of new creation, Say those words with me. New creation. When you hear the words resurrection, I want you to be thinking new creation. This is what Paul described happens to a person when they become born again. Or in other words, when the spirit of God comes and lives inside of them, they become a new creation. There's a resurrection that happens inside of a person when they become a Christian. The Bible says that we were spiritually dead and now we're spiritually alive. So there's a resurrection. And Paul describes that in 2 Corinthians 5.17. And he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a... Right. The old has. Behold, all things are are new, new creation. So the resurrection of Jesus is something that happened in the past that promises to make all broken things a new creation. How many of you know God loves broken things? He loves broken things. He loves broken people. He is attracted to your brokenness. See, the idea of resurrection is not that God's going to do away with that old thing. The idea with resurrection that God is going to bring it back to life and make it a new creation. And that's what I want to talk to you about here this morning. God wants to take your broken past and your broken today and your broken tomorrow. And God wants to make something brand new out of that broken part of your life. For some of you, you think a lot about your past, perhaps too much about your past. It still follows you around, right? It still shames you. You just you can't get over your past. God wants to do something about that this morning. And I want to say to you what I said to the first service. Good news is about people encountering God in such a way that when they leave this place, something is different in their life. A broken place in your life, you walk out of here and God makes it something beautiful, something new. And so I want you to be thinking during this message, what part of my life is broken? Maybe it's your relationship with God is broken and and you know that your sin has separated you from God. You know that that's broken or maybe there's another relationship that's broken in your life. Maybe your marriage is broken or there's a broken relationship between yourself and a child or a friend Right? Maybe your finances are broken or your body is broken today. Maybe your heart is just crushed. You're depressed. You you have a broken spirit today. I've got good news for you. Jesus walked out of that tomb so you could have a resurrection this morning. He walked out so you could have a new yesterday, today, and forever. Resurrection isn't about just something we look forward to someday in the by and by sweep by and by. It's something that God wants us to experience right here, right now, today. And so at the end of this message, I'm going to give you an opportunity to come forward. Those of you who are your, your relationship with God is broken and you know you're not right with God. You're going to have an opportunity today to have a new past, a new present and a new future. So I want to begin with talking about how the resurrection promises a new yesterday or a new past. Uh, we all have a past, uh, some of us, it uh, follows us around every day. And you can't seem to get away with it, or get away from it. Um, for some of you, when you think about your past, you might think about something that, that happened to you or something you did 30 years ago. Maybe it was 30 days ago. How about 30 seconds ago? <laughs> right? And it's something you're ashamed of. You wouldn't want anybody to put it up on the screen or put it on Facebook. You're ashamed of it. That's your past. And I want you to know the resurrection does something about your past. It doesn't change the fact that your past happened. It just changes how God responds to your past. It changes how God responds to your past. The death, the burial and resurrection of Jesus changes all of that. The Bible describes the death of Jesus as a substitutionary death. That's a big word, isn't it? Um, big word, but it simply means this. Jesus took your place, right? The, the wages of sin or the penalty of sin is what? It's death. So we all deserve to die because of our sin. And that death is talking more about spiritual separation from God. The wages of our sin is spiritual separation from God. It's death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's the gift of God is God bringing us together through the death of his son and making us right with God again. One of my favorite authors, his name is Brennan Manning, and he passed away in 2013. And what I love about Brennan Manning is he talks about the grace of God all the time. Uh, Ragamuffin gospel, if you like to read. And uh, before he died, he shared the story about how he got his name, Brennan Manning. And it goes back to his childhood. He had a best friend. How many of you have a best friend from childhood? You did everything together, right? Well, Manning had a friend and his best friend was Ray Brennan. And they did everything together. They went to school together. They bought their first car together. Uh, they actually double dated uh, and they, they enlisted in the Marines at the very same time. They went to boot camp together, and they endured that, and then they were sent off to the Korean War together. <clears throat> and they actually um, they hunkered down in the same foxholes together as well during the Korean conflict. And Brennan tells the story about one day they were sitting in a foxhole, and as they're in there, um, Manning Brennan Manning is talking to his friend Ray, and he's reminiscing about... Growing up in, in Brooklyn as kids. And they were talking about their first car and, and all of that, going to school together. They're just reminiscing about it. And, and Ray's listening to Manning tell these stories and he's eating a chocolate bar while he's telling the stories. And suddenly a live hand grenade lands at their feet. And Ray looks up at Manning. He smiled, dropped his, his chocolate bar, threw himself on the grenade instantly Ray's life ended and Manning lived on fast forward 10 years now now Manning has become a Franciscan priest that's the journey he took and he was told that as you become a Franciscan priest what you need to do is you need to adopt the name of a uh, of a saint and that was a no-brainer for Manning He took on the Irish, the Irish saint named Brennan um, in honor of his deceased friend, Ray Brennan. Some years later, um, Brennan Manning, he went back to Brooklyn, New York to visit his um, not his mom, but Ray's mother. So he went to visit Ray's mother and sat down was sipping tea with Ray's mother on the couch. And as they were talking, uh, Brennan Manning asked Ray's mom this question. He said, do you think Ray really loved me? And Ray's mother got up off the couch and she pointed her finger in his face and said, Jesus Christ, she shouted. What more could he have done for you? And Brennan Manning, he was he was just struck with that encounter and he never forgot its significance. And he would often think. And he would imagine in his mind being at the foot of the cross and asking the question, God, do you really love me? And he would imagine that Mary, maybe by the cross as well, would point to her son and say, Jesus Christ, what more could he have done for you? Can I tell you today that Jesus Christ, he threw himself on the grenade of the world's sin. Your sin and my sin. And he took our place. Why? So you could have a new yesterday. So you could have a new past. Right? How many of you know we deserve to die because of our sin? The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus of Nazareth threw himself on the grenade of the world's sin. And Paul wrote about it in Colossians chapter one, verse twenty one. Listen to these words. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Somebody say that without a single fault. This points back to 2nd Corinthians 517. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. And when I read that, I ask myself the question, what does it mean for God to make things new? He says we're going to be this new creation now that we're followers of Jesus. And he's going to make all things new. What is he talking about? There's a passage in Revelation chapter 21, verse number 5. And it's a powerful scripture. We'll look at it all uh, more of it in a moment. But John has this incredible vision of heaven. And in the middle of this vision, God says something powerful. And he says this, behold, I am making all things new. Behold, I am making all things new. Now, there's that word new again. Uh, There are two different words for the word new in the Greek language. Okay, in the English language, there's one word for new and it's New, exactly. The first word for new in the Greek, though, has to do with the time of something. Okay? How long something has been in existence? They would use that word for to describe somebody who might be a young person. The second word new in the Greek has to do with the quality of something. Okay? So what does God mean when he says, Behold, I'm making all things new? All right. Take those two words, things new and swap their order for just a moment. Right. If that were the case, what would it say? The sentence would say, I am making all new things. But is that what this passage says? No, it doesn't say I'm going to make new things. It says I'm going to make all things new. Is there a difference? You bet there's a difference if I'm making all new things, then the things that existed before they're done away with. All right. But what John is saying in this passage or what God rather through John is saying is that there are things that right now that are going to be made new. Okay, in terms of quality, not in terms of how long it's been around. So if I've lost you, let me pull you back with this illustration. OK, God says, I'm going to make all things new. What does that mean? Let's say you're ready to uh, to buy a new car. How many of you would say that's me? I need a new car. All right. So let's say you take your old car to a dealership. Right. And what do you do? You trade in your old car for a new car. And when you do that, you expect to get a totally different car, a new car. Right. And what you've done is you've replaced your old car with a new car. But that's not what resurrection is. Resurrection promises to make your old car new again. So what if you went to the dealership and you dropped off your old car expecting to get a new car. You came back and instead of getting a brand new car, you got your old car back. But it was made completely new again. They threw in some extra bells and whistles and now this car can even fly, right? (laughs) Like the DeLorean and back to the future. All right. So that's the idea of resurrection. God's not throwing away your old car. He says, no, I'm not going to make it new in the sense of time. I'm going to make it new in the sense of quality. It's the same old car, but it's been resurrected into something that's that's new. And that's what God is saying. I want to take all the broken things in your life and the broken things in this world. And I want to make them new. I'm not going to throw away the broken junk. I'm going to take the junk and I'm going to restore it. I'm going to make it new again like it was at the beginning. This is the idea behind resurrection. This is the idea. God loves broken things. He loves what's broken about your life because that's an opportunity for resurrection. That's an opportunity for new creation. Sometimes we get the idea that, man, we got to get rid of the old car. we got to get rid of this old marriage, right? we got to get rid of this old job and this relationship. And God says, you know what? Hey, I'm not into getting rid of stuff except for sin. I'm into making things new again. And God wants to redeem those things. He wants to transform those parts of your life that are broken. Some of you like the show Fixer Upper. Right. And what do those families get? Do they get a new house or do they get an old house made new? They get an old house made new. God is not making new things. He is making all things new. This is good news this morning. What does your new forever look like? Okay, he makes your past new. God wants to make your forever, your future new as well. The Bible talks about how God is going to give us a new body. God's going to also make a new creation. And let's just speak on those for just a moment. The resurrection of Jesus promises that we will have a new body. So how many of you know Jesus came to the earth, right? The first time. And how many of you know he's coming back again? The second coming. And when he comes back, the Bible says that we are going to all receive what? Resurrected bodies, alright? What will this body look like? I mean, I sit around all day long thinking about what my body's gonna look like someday. I'm a little vain, you know, no, I I don't really do this, but 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 what's what is it going to look like? And I want to say this. The Bible tells us that our resurrected bodies will look like the resurrected body of Christ. And what I mean by that is this. The Bible describes Jesus as the first fruits of this creation, the first fruits of the resurrection, the first fruits of this new creation. So whatever that first fruit looked like, the rest of the fruits going to look like it as well. Are you with me? And so whatever the resurrected body of Jesus was like, we can expect something similar in our resurrected body. So you're not going to trade in your old body for a new one. Sorry, but sorry to disappoint some of you, right? God's literally going to take your old body and he's going to make it new again. The body of Jesus with its piercings, holes and scars, if it were replaced with a new body where would the old body of Jesus be? Think about that for a moment. If God totally replaced the body of Jesus in the tomb, where would the old body be? It'd be in the tomb. But God took that old body. He resurrected it, right? And that's why it's not in the tomb anymore. And maybe I'm a little more excited about this than you are this morning. But the resurrection promises that we will have... Um, We all have a a new kind of body. Um, Some people are in under the impression that we will live in some kind of disembodied state for eternity. Where our our soul is separated from our earthly body and, and we live as this disembodied soul in the presence of God. And that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that we will live in the presence of God, but it will be a resurrected body that will live with him forever. So get a little excited about that this morning, and maybe you can start praying for a few extra body parts when that happens. I want you to cross your arms and I want you to do this, if you would, and say this body will be resurrected. This body will be made new. You will not have, you will not live as a disembodied soul somewhere forever like Plato taught. You will have a resurrected body like Jesus. And the Bible says this in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be. Somebody say will be. Will be has not yet been made known. But watch this. We know something. We know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, like him. All right. Jesus' resurrected body was the same, uh, but yet different than before the resurrection. Uh, he ate fish after the resurrection. He still had nail piercings in his hands. He still had the spear wound in his side. Right. He showed those wounds to uh, to doubting Thomas. So maybe you have some scars that maybe you'll still have those scars. Maybe you'll still have those tattoos. They'll just be sanctified. I don't know. You know, we just, you know, it's going to be different. The same and yet different. It's going to be natural and supernatural. Jesus, uh, at times, he would open a door and walk through it. And other times he would just walk through a closed door. There was something amazing about it. He he was supernaturally transported to the father through the ascension. Uh, gravity, we're not going to be limited by gravity. I'm getting excited, but I've always wanted to fly. You know, I I just this is going to be amazing. This is what God says. This is what kind of body you're going to have. So we believe in a a bodily resurrection of the dead, uh, both for the righteous and for the wicked. The Bible says that means that after we die, our decaying bodies that lie in the grave uh, or in the depths of the sea or reduced to to ashes in an urn set up on your fireplace mantel. Right. When Jesus comes back, all those pieces and parts are going to be resurrected. They're going to come back to life and he's going to transform those decaying bodies, our decaying bodies um, at that time. All right. So we're going to have new bodies, but there's also going to be a new creation. The resurrection promises a new creation. So in the same way that God is not taking um, our, our old bodies and throwing them away and starting over, God's not taking this old world and throwing it away, trading it for a new one. God is actually going to make this new, this old world new again. So back to John's vision in John chapter 21. Let's take a look at what this new world is going to be. Revelation 21, verse number one says this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had what? Passed away. So when a body passes away, does it disappear? Does it vanish? Right? No, it's still there. It's just dead. So in the same way, this earth and the heavens, as we can see them, they are going to die. They're going to pass away. They're not going to be done away with. They're just dead. Right. And the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem. Right. New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God Is with man. Again, behold, the dwelling place of God is with men, with with man. He will dwell with them. This is so good. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. How many of you know that's God's dream right there? What's interesting to me is it's not saying we will dwell with God. It says that God will dwell with us and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. So God's original creation was what? Good and very good. God said so himself, right? But our sin ruined good and very good, right? We handed it over to the God of this world named Satan. And the Bible describes this, this creation that we live in as actually being in slavery and longing, even groaning for the day when it will become new again, when it will become free again. Are you tracking with me? Romans 8 verse 20 talks about this. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, somebody say hope, eager hope, the creation, this is talking about the world, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up until the present time. So the resurrection not only promises a future hope of a resurrected body for us, but also a future hope for all of creation. And the future hope is this, that it will one day be on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven is not just this this idea of a great escape from this evil earth, but it's rather an invasion of heaven. It's an invasion of earth making it good again. Resurrection doesn't mean scrapping what's there and starting over. Resurrection means liberating what's been enslaved. God is going to make what was originally good and became bad. He's going to make it good and very good again. The entire cosmos will be redeemed from top to bottom. Why? Because of the resurrection of Jesus. You see, many Christians, they celebrate Easter. They celebrate the empty tomb because, well, that means we get to escape earth someday. And we get to escape hell someday and we get to go to heaven when we die. But may I say this morning that heaven, as we understand it in the Bible, is not a future destination that's out of this world. Heaven is God coming to this world and making it new again. Right. Heaven is God coming to this world and resurrecting it, making all things new again so that the dwelling of God is with mankind as it was in the garden so that it would be on earth as it is in heaven. Just like it was at the beginning to the glory of God, the father. So the hope of our world is not in some evolutionary optimism, as N.T. Wright would say hoping that somehow things will someday improve over time. The hope of the world is not found in politicians promising a better tomorrow, right? Vote for me and things will get better. The hope of our world is not found in science and technology, although I love my iPhone promising to turn the raw material of this world into stuff of utopia, right? The hope of our world is found in the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, which promises a bodily resurrection for all of mankind and all of creation. I love it. I love it. And so here's what's crazy. Here's what's so crazy to me. God wants to bring this new creation to this old creation through the church. Through the church here and now. We don't have to wait for that sweet by and by. We don't have to wait for that new world to come. God's saying, I want you to bring that new world right here, right now. I want you to bring new creation to old creation right now. Isn't that exactly what Jesus did when He came to the earth? He said, watch this. I'm gonna make something broken. I'm gonna make it into a new creation. And He laid hands on sick people. And those broken people were healed. Why? He said, I want you to see what my Father is like. I want you to see what resurrection is like. I want you to see what new creation's all about. He didn't just just say nice things and he did things to demonstrate new creation. He cast out devils and he raised the dead. And before he left this earth, he asked us to do the very same thing. He said, now you do it. I want you to demonstrate on this earth what God is like. I want you to demonstrate every day and you're living and you're here and now what resurrection is all about. It's about new creation. It's about taking broken things. And making them new again. A lot of times we throw away stuff that's broken. I'm so glad God doesn't do that. (laughs) He would have thrown me away a long time ago. I'm not totally new creation. I know I look like it this morning. Uh, But I know one day I am going to be like the resurrected body of Jesus. But until then, God is imploring us as a believing church. To say, would you believe that that I could make new creation through your hands and through your mouth and through your through your marketplace, your places of employment? Back in December, I bought a a, a little old motorcycle, a uh, 1973. You know, pretty old bike, and it's just this little CT 90 90 CC. It's a little trail street bike and. I bought it, got a great deal on it. It wasn't running. It was just just dirty and needed some new parts. And, and I could have said, you know what? That thing's worthless. I'm just going to throw it away. Instead, I, I tore it all apart, took it all down to its frame and, and cleaned it, put it back together. New carburetor and fuel lines and spark plugs and different things here and there. And, and uh, actually, I even put a, like a super turbo carburetor on it. I'll make this thing better, right? You know, and, and, and it's the nature of God in you to do that. It's the nature of God in you to take something broken and make it new again. And, and I want you to, as we get ready to wrap up here, worship team, if you would come. I want to talk about new today as we wrap up. Because if we don't, if we leave here and go, oh, yeah, looking forward to that day someday. Then we've missed the whole point. God wants new creation right here, right now. Um, yesterday, my daughter was helping me with my iPhone, and uh, I needed some music downloaded onto it, and she had the music that I wanted, so she just plugged my phone into her computer and was going to download this music. And what happened was her entire phone downloaded onto my phone. <laughs> right? How many of you know? New creation. Right? It was still the physical case. It was just, it was my phone, but, but it looked like her phone now. So now I've got all her contacts and I've got all of her text messages and all of her photos and all of her everything. It looks like it's even got her backdrop with her picture on it. Right? That's what happens when we become a Christian. Christ Jesus is downloaded into us our contacts change our photos change it looks different I, I don't quite recognize that i mean what happened was is she plugged my old phone into her computer and it got transferred it got downloaded and i've got a new phone now that looks like her phone and, and that's what the bible's talking about in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, when it says, if anyone is in Christ, plugged in like that computer and that phone, if anyone is in Christ, plugged into Christ, he becomes a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. If you're a phone expert, see me after class. I need to... (laughs) Some of you need that kind of transformation today you're not in Christ today. You still have the old phone, you have the old, you have the past. It's all there. And and you realize that it's time for you to be in right relationship with God. And you can't do that apart from being in Christ. And you say, "Well, pastor, how do I how do I connect the wires? How do I get in Christ? How does that work?" The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is lord is, is the king is the boss and you believe in your heart that god raised him from the dead then you will be saved you will be that new creation and god begins to make all things new he begins to make all things new you've got to begin there so in other words for you to experience new creation you need a new king There's a lot of people that want new creation, but they don't want a new king. They're okay with being king. I can handle this. I I can work my way. I I can save myself, heal myself, deliver myself, right? I can provide for myself. I got it. I got this thing. New creation isn't for you if that's your attitude. But if your attitude is, I can't save myself. I can't heal what's broken. I can't fix it. I can't deliver myself from these addictions, right? I can't provide for myself. I can't clean up my, I can't do that. Then you're ready for a new king. And the moment you say, you know what, Jesus, I'll have you as my new king. Then the wires get connected. And what's true about Jesus gets downloaded into you. And the Bible says that you are given a deposit at that moment. The spirit of the living God guaranteeing what is yet to come guaranteeing that you're going to get that new body someday but until then god says right now that new creation begins right here right now i want you to stand on your feet if you would so if that's you today i'm going to ask you to come forward in just a moment but to begin with let's have our prayer workers come all of our prayer workers if you would come and what we're going to do is we're going to turn the rest of this service into a new creation service so i'm saying new creation resurrection New creation, resurrection. That's what, new, that's what resurrection is. It's about new creation. So if you're here today and, and uh, you realize that, that your sin has separated from you from God and you're ready to become a new creation in Christ, you're ready to say, Jesus, be king. I want you to come down and I want you to just let one of these prayer workers know that you want to be saved today. You want to be saved today. You want to become a Christian, and they're going to pray with you. If you are broken in your life, and I know there's a lot of brokenness in this room, right? There's two kinds of people, those that admit they're broken and those that don't. And there's areas of your life that are broken. You're physically broken, you're spiritually broken, you're relationally broken. There's brokenness in your life. There's, there's sickness in your body. There's something that's not right. There's a, a, somebody you know that's broken and you want to pray. That's what we're going to do today. We're going to pray with you. And we're going to ask God to begin new creation work right here on earth as it is in heaven.